your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands it off the middle, hit the backfield, drill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Nonsense, Allen, underdog, and then one. Exclamation point. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Don't go outside. Oh my God. It's like the day after tomorrow where the, the storm like instantly freezes you. My dogs lasted about 15 seconds this morning before they had to run back in. Shout out my dad who told me to fill up my gas tank so it doesn't freeze. Yeah. Did that. Shout out your dad. Yeah, you're not you're not parking in a garage like me. No, I park out in the middle of... I probably should put it in a parking garage today, though. Well, I mean, it, the, the worst you're is a, over. You're a dad. Yes. Should I take my car and put it in a... Even though it's going to cost me... Even though it's going to cost me money to put it in a parking garage, should I put it in a parking garage or should I just keep parking it where i'm parking it well for myself i i typically did park in a garage when yeah. i was in college yeah i don't i i don't well i mean the worst is over like i said you're, you're already past i'm already like, past the lowest of the low temperatures sure. so i'm so yeah you're so good. if i survived you're good yeah last night i survived yeah you made so it. i survived yeah. wow i made it and we made it and now we're talking here on it let me let around. me ask you this yes did you did you use a hockey stick again to yeah i did de snow or yeah. ice your your vehicle i cannot find well let me let me recorrect that i'm too <laughs> lazy to drive to target to buy an ice scraper and yeah. so I went to my I went to my supermarket that I'm at. I'm like, oh, they should have an ice scraper here, and they didn't have one. So I'm still hockey sticking it right now. My dad is definitely going to be texting me right now, being like, "Why are you an <laughs> idiot? Why are you not buying an ice scraper? How do you not have an ice scraper? That car should have an ice scraper in it." So that's on me. That's kind of me outing myself. But so what? I'll I'll agree with Mr. McMaster right now. Yeah, go get it's yourself. Very hard an ice to scraper. disagree with Mr. McMaster. He typically is pretty right in those types of things Parents he still right. you know he still calls me an hour before every show to make sure that i woke up because i missed that one show that one time the first show you were supposed to be no on? no 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 wasn't this, it the first no, show no 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 i wasn't supposed to come on that show are you it sure was, yeah i'm positive well, caleb told it me was you were. no 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 no. it was the one where i was 20 minutes late for uh, with caleb okay. it was that one no i wasn't supposed to come on the show he right. he told you i was supposed to come on that i canceled last second because mm. i had other stuff be, like sleep no, wasn't okay. sleep. Right. I had a task. Well, hey, will you tell my kids that dads are always right then? Sure. They, well, we'll try. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stugenholz. Uh We are excited to be joined by Brian Carr in just a little bit as well. Be fun. Uh, former Husker. Uh, he is the all-time assists leader at Nebraska, and uh, he's in town for Alumni Day. Yeah. Big and, day over and, at PBA. And who are the Huskers playing? They're they're playing your. Northwestern Wildcats. Everybody's Northwestern Wildcats. Everybody's, Everybody's Northwestern. No, they're not mine. Look, here's I'm a reporter. I'm a I'm a I'm a college sports reporter. I have no affiliation in terms of who I root for and who I hope wins and who I hope doesn't win. I just happen to go to Nebraska and I just happen to have been born on Northwestern's campus. And Mr. <laughs> McMaster, who has gotten way more airtime than I anticipated he would get in the first four minutes of this uh, show went to Northwestern. So I grew up a Cats fan. I grew up watching them. 
grew up watching, you know, the boys and, and, and Ryan, Ryan Arena. They weren't very good when well, I was young. Ryan. Well, yeah, we call it the Ryan. Okay. We call it the Ryan. Go to Colonel Mustard's. So, Mustard, Mustard's last stand. Get a hot dog. And this is this is the McMaster Bowl today. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm so excited. For you're you're uh, you're not you're not cheering for both teams per se, but you no, have. I hope you they have both ties have fun. To both I, teams. They, I hope they have fun. I just hope everyone has. fun. I hope everyone has fun. Speaking of watching the team that that you follow uh, from from elsewhere, I was in Kansas City for for the day job this week. Sure, I was at a I was at a theater, a dinner theater, on Wednesday evening. <laughs> during Nebraska. Oh Rutgers. yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you. Not a not a super fun experience late in the game there with everybody kind of gathered around me and, and watching my every move and my every reaction. What a collapse. <sighs> it just they just fell apart. I did not watch the game live. I was announcing the women's game. Yeah. So I I watched the last eight minutes when they just didn't they just refused to. So you watched to score. the best part. So you're the you're the reason. You were the they, you were only no, watching. No, no, when no, they no, collapsed. no. I watched it after the fact. They had right, collapsed. Okay. I right. knew they collapsed. I really wanted to see how it happened. Ah. Shout out Sam Hoiberg, by the way. Yeah. What a performance by him. Yeah. But uh you know, kind of coming in at the end and, and, and scoring all those points and kind of keeping them in it and OT, but Yeah. Well, so so let's let's dig into this. Yeah, go first, ahead. first of all, uh big sigh of relief yesterday for for every Nebraska Hoops follower because the the injury suffered in that Rutgers loss to Juwan Gary, which of course we all feared the worst. It's just a calf strain, day to day. Fred Hoiberg, uh, kind of, kind of putting uh, all of those fears to rest. He's not likely to play today. However, he could be back uh, as soon as their their next game. So it's it's a, a bullet dodged there. I think it's safe to say. Uh, the fact that Juwan Gary will be able to uh, continue playing the season, uh, pretty pretty important piece for this team, especially on the rebounds, uh, especially on the boards, because as uh, as the stat has been thrown around nonstop this week, twenty five to eleven, twenty five offensive rebounds for Rutgers against just eleven for Nebraska, partly due to Juwan Gary being out. That that trend had already begun before Gary's injury. Sure. Josiah Alec fouls out late in regulation, not available in the overtime, and and of course there were a few backbreaking offensive rebounds in the overtime period. Uh, th- there are a lot of different ways we could go with this one. Um, I I want to start with the the Jamarcus Lawrence experience because we talked about it last week on the show. Minutes trending down, right? Didn't didn't look like his starting spot was was long for him, and then all of a sudden he plays thirty four minutes in this game. Uh, two for eight overall from the floor, 0 for five from three, seven points, five assists, two turnovers. Uh, you you were the guy, you know, honking the Jamarcus Lawrence horn before the season. Where where are you at on this guy? And 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 is he is he going to be this was was this a one off in terms of what we've seen the trend, or is he going to continue to still be an important piece on the floor? I think Fred Hoiberg has proven at this point that he has a lot of guys he can play. Oh yeah, and he is not afraid to play the hot hand or play the guy who is fitting the way that he wants to play in a certain moment or time. And what I mean by that is, you saw Boogie Coleman come in, start started the season, played a lot of minutes. He wasn't playing the way that Fred wanted him to play, so we started playing Eli Rice instead. And now Eli Rice now granted and Boogie Coleman basically disappeared. It disappeared. The, yeah. 
And and now Rice didn't get a lot of time against Rutgers. Got a lot of time against Iowa though. Just two minutes against Rutgers. And so that's that's where you are, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. a lot of matchup based stuff. It's a lot of where, where you're going to play and what are you going to see. Here's the thing: you got five. If, if Jamarcus Lawrence is having five assists a game, that means he's playing the role as a point guard that he needs to play. That frankly, yep. Aaron Eulis was brought in to play. Aaron Eulis was brought in from Iowa so he could play that point guard role. And so Jamarcus wouldn't necessarily have to be forced into a role that he's not used to playing because Jamarcus is best at scoring, not his passing. If he's going to have these assists and play as that point guard, he can play forever. He can play 34 minutes a game. But if he doesn't, he's not going to. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's encouraging to see a guy as talented as Jamarcus play the role that Fred wants him to play because the more guys that you can have in your system and play in your system at the town of Jamarcus Lawrence, the better. Everyone on Nebraska wants Jamarcus Lawrence to play the way that he did against Rutgers so he could consistently be out there and be contributing. And you play 34 minutes a game, eventually the points are going to come. Eventually you're going to find your spots. And so I think the difficulty for Jamarcus, though, has been he knows where his spots are on the floor. He just knows how to get to them playing a different role. Playing the role he's playing now, he doesn't know how to get to those spots because he hasn't done it before. So he's learning. He's developing. But I think it was an encouraging performance. Yeah. The the other thing that I think was interesting, and I talked about, uh, I brought this up with Jacob Bigelow when we had him on last week or week before, about whether Keisei Tominaga was getting enough opportunities. Is he getting enough shots? Is he is he a, and a big enough part of the offense? Well, I think he had 10 shots. In the loss to Iowa, I maybe that may be a different game. I can, I can. He had fourteen shots against Rutgers. That's fine. Four for eight from three as well. Yeah, but you got to make. But just one for six inside the arc, where he has been really, really good. He's been uh, shooting over sixty percent. Maybe still is. Uh, so, so he had more opportunities, and it didn't exactly translate to uh, team success. So that may not be. The answer, and in part of that is, I mean, obviously, Juwan Gary was not available, so maybe those opportunities went more to Kase because of that. It's it's hard to say, but that's that's one aspect. Um, another, Rink Mass did not have his best game. He was over from beyond the arc. Uh, obviously, he importantly hit a few threes in a couple of Nebraska's bigger wins this season, including Purdue. So, if if he is is going, maybe it's not as big an issue if. Uh, if Kase doesn't have as many opportunities or isn't converting when he's got the opportunities, uh, what what else are you are you seeing after you know this zero for four on the road start in Big Ten play? Nebraska still is third in the Big Ten in points given up a game. Okay, yeah. it's about sixty points, but I am concerned about this current state of the defense. You give up ninety four points to Iowa, you give up eighty two points to Rutgers. Both of the, I mean Iowa is. Score 90 points a game. So that's, I mean, that's going to happen. But Rutgers is 12th in the Big Ten in score. 12th. A lot of second chance points. A lot of second chance points. So um, it's just. And 88 to Wisconsin as well. 88 points to Wisconsin. So wait, let me. I got that wrong. I was looking on the wrong thing. Oh, all right. My bad. My bad. Uh, Yeah, I was still 87 points a game. Rutgers, though, and it's still true. Rutgers is the worst offense in the Big Ten. Well, the wor- there's 14. Yeah, there's 14 teams. He's for- they're 14. They are four- oh, they I are 14. Oh, you said 12. Yeah, 14th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I messed that up. All good. They're 14th. They gave up 87 points to them. This defense, this defense has to play better. 
Yeah. And so Nebraska actually not third. I was looking at the women's statistics. That I had the wrong screen pulled up. That's what happened. That's how I mean. That's really unprofessional. It's all good. I was going to say I'm concerned with this with this defense. I am. This is a team that Fred Hoiberg last year and this year has said this is a defensive team. We're going to play good defensive basketball. This is how we're going to win games. We're going to hustle. We're 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 going to outplay people. We're going to rebound. They're not doing that. 88 points to Wisconsin. 94 points to Iowa, 82 points against Rutgers. I mean, even seven for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, it's just you, you hope play better defense. You hope that the Rutgers game is more of a one-game blip because obviously overtime kind it's of feeds not, into though. that. It's, it's not though, and and you hope that you can you can still do what you've been doing at home. Sure, and then figure something but, out on the road but because you just need wait, a couple wait, wait. on let's the road. A, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah, because you're supposed to be comfortable at home, right? And we, sure, and and you're supposed to. And I'm sure we'll talk about Brian with Brian Carr, who's coming up on our next segment about playing on the road. Because yeah. I'm going to ask him about that. Hey, you know, as your experiences as a player, how is playing on the road? Because it seems like this team has such a difficulty doing that, right? So with this team, when you can't win on the road, don't those home games? Become more pressure filled, isn't 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 there a little bit in the back of your head being like, well, we can't win on the road, so we better win at home. Like we have to win these home games. Like, isn't that a really a crappy way to approach your, your your the games that you're playing at home? Like we have to win them because we can't win anywhere else. Because if and also too, there's a little bit of set panic within the fans of 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 the program because it's like, well, we can't win a road game, so we better win all these home games. That's not how it's supposed to work. Like, you're supposed to be able, if you're an NCAA tournament team, if you're a team that is serious about winning championships, whether it be the Big Ten or the national championship, which should be your goal every single year, you have to win on the road. And so to say that, oh, you hope that Rutgers is a one-off, you hope that it's it, that it's something that you can move. They haven't. They've played two of, of, of the lower teams in the Big Ten. Let's be honest here. Rutgers, l- l- let's look. Rutgers is is two and four in the Big Ten. They're second to last. Iowa three and three. They've won three in a row. They started off zero and three in the Big Ten. Minnesota, where are they at? Minnesota is Minnesota is actually decent. Three and four. They're thirteenth, twelfth, eleventh. That's 10th, the other. 8th. That's the other come from that's ahead road one. loss. So you have right? three. You have three road losses against three teams of the Big Ten that you are statistically better than. Three of those games you should have won. Two of which. You had leads in. You had double-digit leads against Minnesota. You had a double-digit lead against Rutgers. Rutgers, I mean, that game was basically over with eight minutes left, and they they couldn't close it out. So I, I know what you're saying. I don't mean to yell. You hope that it's a one-off. Yeah. But it's it just hasn't proven to be. And I think a lot of people thought, okay, when they beat Kansas State in Manhattan, all right, they can move past it. That was That's just what they're capable thing. of, right? Where has that been? Two in a row. Yeah. And, and you know what? It starts in the defensive end. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I kind of fluffed that up looking at the women's basketball stats instead of the men's basketball stats on my screen, but it, it all stands the same, right? Sure. They are not playing the caliber defense they need to be playing, and their coach wants them to play. And I think it comes down to the end of the day, too, if, like, they need a guy who can close out these games. And they just didn't. They have a lot of dudes who are good. They got a lot of, you got Rink Mast, you got a Bryce Williams, you got a Casey Tomanaga, but one of those guys has to come out and be like, okay, I'm going to close out this game. I'm going to, I'm going to take over. I'm going to take be over. A leader. And, and I'm going to get these six points in the last six minutes of the game so we can go home and we're going to milk the clock or whatever. And the team they're playing tonight, Northwestern, or today rather, they have one of those guys. 
and Boo Booey. Yeah. And so if this game against Northwestern comes down to the last couple of minutes, I'm giving the edge to the Wildcats because they got a guy who can do it in Boo Booey. Who did it last game against Maryland? Who, who they just beat? They Nebraska doesn't have a corresponding guy with it. Yeah, that's Evanston's own Matt McMaster right there. Damn it. He knows he knows those Wildcats in and out. That's, I know the boys. We will uh, we will give uh, uh, a little bit more insight to that game as we go. Um, plus, plenty of football, new assistant coach, uh, and and other news. Uh, but next, Brian Carr, all time assist leader for Nebraska hoops. We're talking Nebraska ball when we come back here on Danny Knee Weekend Alumni Day over at PBA right after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. A big, big day for Nebraska basketball, not just in terms of a game they need to win over at Pinnacle Bank Arena, but... Uh, a big reunion day. It's alumni day. They do this once a year. Uh, even bigger, though, it's uh, it's Danny Knee returning. And uh, after as long as it's been, uh, it's going to be great to see him back at the arena. And one of the players from Danny Knee's first team here in Lincoln uh, and one of the all-time greats uh, joins us now on the show to talk about the reunion and, and a lot of Nebraska basketball. It's Brian Carr joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Brian, good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, good That's to have great. you back, and and we're uh, we're excited for this uh, event today uh, with uh, Alumni Day and, and getting to see Coach Knee back out there again. Uh, you, as I mentioned, you were on that first team. Your senior year was was Knee's first year in Lincoln. What what were your first impressions of Coach Knee, and and how did that kind of relationship between the two of you evolve over that senior year for you? Yeah, it was uh, there was a kind of shocking <laughs> at the beginning um he was just a different type of uh character and uh one that we weren't used to and um and also just very exciting he, was, he had tons of energy and lots of juice and we were you know we didn't know what was was going to happen with us you know every year you have to sign a, a scholarship papers and say yeah you'll, i can play here right and so when a new coach comes in you don't know Right. And, um, but he was kind enough to keep me around. And, and, uh, as the year progressed, it was, it was just fun. I mean, we had a great time and our team was really close. We, we, we'd been through some stuff and good, bad, and different, just like every other team. But we were, we, we played together for a long time. Right. I mean, in college sports, uh, scenario. Um, so a lot of us were four year players or, you know, some guys have been here for five years and, and, um, it was nice. It was just, we, we kind of had a base and then coach knee just ran with it. And, um, it was just, it was a wonderful year and, and uh, lots of wins, lots of close wins. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, we just kept growing as a team and, and, uh, you know, obviously went on to the NIT final four and, and, uh, just, just a wonderful, wonderful season. Brian, I, I, uh, wasn't born uh, before Danny <laughs> Nee uh, stopped coaching uh, at Nebraska. So, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of research over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Okay, tell me something here. Uh, you know, guys like me, this this kind of next generation of, of people who are watching Husker basketball who, who might not know 
who Coach was until kind of this honoring or, or just only ever heard about him and, and never actually got to see him coach. What should this next generation of people know about Coach Nee? Well, he was extremely passionate, not just winning, um, but winning with style, winning with uh, entertainment and kind of an entertainment factor. And that was kind of a new thing at the time, right? I mean, everybody was, you know, we could call it old school, but it was, it was very, um, I don't know, just getting the win, but it wasn't very pretty. Well, Coach D was a little different. He he wanted to win, and he wanted to look, look good, right? Yeah. So um, just had a little entertainment about him. Um, and, I mean, it, it, if you would have seen the Devaney Center during those years and, and the excitement and the, the crowds, and uh, even my my first year with him, my senior year, he, it, it, we got so many people to come in and watch us play, and, and the fan base here is phenomenal anyway, but they, I think they really enjoyed it. So he was kind of a new age guy at the time, right? And yeah. Willing to, to do those, those things to, to promote the sport, to promote Nebraska basketball. And yeah, it was, uh, it was very exciting for us. How much have you stayed in touch with Coach Nee over the years? Have, have you seen him for a while? What, what's today going to be like for you? Yeah, physically, I haven't seen him for a long time, but we've, we've talked. I don't know. Let's say a handful of times within those years, um, I, I got into coaching myself, and you know, that's the one thing um, I, I used to talk to him a lot during the season when I was playing, and then the year I, I, I finished my my degree, my fifth year, and then would spend some time just talking about coaching and how to deal with things, how to coach, what you run and what you don't, blah blah blah. And then once I got my my uh, coaching. Uh, get going in, in Indiana. I, I I would come out here. I came out here. That was a great story. I came out one time and I, I sat down with him. I said, Coach, I just need your help with some stuff. And and could you, you know, what, what kind of drills should I run? What kind of th- going on and on? He goes, All right, listen. What what do you run on offense? I told him. I said, What do you run? He goes, What do you run on defense? I told him. He said, All right. Every drill you run, to wrap around all those things. And I'm like. Yeah. Wait a minute! I just drove 750 miles for you to tell me that. Yeah, an email would have done. Yeah, that <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> well, I, I I have to interject here. I'm not sure we had computers. Yeah, that's time. yeah. Oh, sure, <laughs> too far back. That's Matt. good. Yeah, it's too far back. My bad. Back. My, bad. Uh, my bad. Yeah, I would, I would have had to call collect for him <laughs> for me to. But he he, um, yeah, I, I kept in touch with him a bit, and then when he got his. When he when he went out east and was coaching, I I got his number and we talked a few times. But uh, I know he stays in contact with a lot of guys, so it's it's really neat. Brian, you uh you, you know moving from from Coach Nee to you, you know your and use all time assist leader. I always love talking to point guards just because I feel like they see the game very differently uh, uh, than other players. How did do you think you saw the game differently than some of your teammates? Do you think like how did do you think you approached how you played basketball differently? And and, and if so, how how did you and how did you look at things on the court uh, to create for others? Yeah, it's kind of it's an interesting question because you know I, I'm not sure how these other positions how they how, how they would have, have perceived what's sure. going on. From from my end, I can you know just tell you this that. One thing a really good point guard is going to have to have is the ability to understand where everybody's supposed to be, where everybody's supposed to go, the timing, the timing of you know, offensively basketball. There's so much about time. Any sport, yeah, timing is huge. And and uh, 
So I, that was one of the things. Um, and I wanted to be a coach, so I was trying to coach on the floor. Um, when a when a dead ball, foul, whatever the case is, I would run to coach whoever coach it was, coach I would coach me, and we'd just stand and talk. And you know, while that was going on, while the free throws were going on, I would just okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to handle? It? What's next? And then I was a communicator on the floor, right? But so as far as seeing the game itself, I just felt like well, I had the ball a lot. So that yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I was uh, trying to figure out where everything is supposed to go and click. And when it wasn't, it was my job to get them corralled and and uh, getting on the right track. I, I just took that that's a heart and that responsibility. I, it, was, it was wonderful, right? So you, you kind of had a little bit of, of control of what was going on at the point. You know, it's not just about, okay, getting us into the offense. It, there's a lot to it that, that goes in defensively, offensively, but mentally, uh, motivationally, uh, pushing buttons the right way for your teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't can't bark at everybody and you can't, you know, pat everybody on the back for making a zillion mistakes, right? But you just find a way to, to motivate everybody on your squad. Another few minutes here with Brian Carr, uh, Husker Hooper, back in the 80s, part of the Nebraska's first NCAA tournament team in town for Alumni Day here today against Northwestern. Uh, Brian, you're an Indiana native. You, you still live out there now. Uh, Nebraska's taken down both IU and Purdue uh, already this season. Uh, what what sticks out to you about these 23-24 Huskers? Uh, they play hard. They get after it. They seem to enjoy being on the floor. I, I seemed like a few years ago, it was just most like you're clocking in and going to work sometimes, but this this team just seems to you know embrace playing hard and playing together um, and skill. They they got some skill too, um, but they seem they seem to be playing as a unit and uh, with some enthusiasm. So I think that's you know I, you know as any fan I, I would I would hope that people if you just see your your people playing with heart and passion. Well, first of all, the wins are going to take care of themselves, but yeah. the, but the, uh, uh, it's just fun to watch. And, and you you know, Coach Hoyberg was talking about that in our in the banquet last night about how he wants people to you know just enjoy and, and appreciate the effort that these guys are putting forth and put on a put a team out there that we're proud of. And I think you know we're heading in that direction. Last year's team, this year's team seems to be heading in that right direction. So, Brian, yeah, I see that. Brian, you played in the Big Eight. You know, pretty pretty raucous environments. Kansas State, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri. You know, very competitive teams. And and this team in particular, Nebraska. You know, this year seems to have trouble on the road. Well, how was it playing in those road environments? Was it how difficult is it really for winning a game on the on at home compared to winning the game on the road? Yeah, it's tough. It's it's just not your environment, right? It's not your comfort zone. It's, yeah. um, um, you know, the daily grind of, you know, we were talking about this last night with our, our pregame meals and then what you did after that, and how you prepared. Uh, it's a different, it's a different monster. Plus, like I said, you're, you're not in your same shooting environment, yeah. fans, all that stuff. And then, I mean, the big 10, big eight, whatever, any conference, basically. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it is a, uh, a meat grinder, right? I mean, yeah. every game is even at home. Uh-huh. You know, it's tough. You got to defend that, and then get some wins on the road. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I can only tell you from 
a, a couple of things here. One, I hated playing at Missouri and Oklahoma. Those two places uh, were tough for us. But uh, um, I was at a game a few years ago at Purdue, Nebraska-Purdue. I've never heard of a louder venue in my life in that place. So it's these, these you know, when you're going to these places to play, um, it's just everybody's against you, right? And yeah. and it's loud and it's, it's, it's tumultuous and and uh, you just got to find a way to, to pick up the win as best you can. It's tough. There's no doubt it's tough. One more. We'll get you out of here on this one. I know you're uh, headed over to see Coach Nee and the, the rest of the team uh, from, uh-huh. from past years. Um, if you could pick one player on this team to just kind of take off from here, like maybe one player who could potentially unlock this season for Nebraska and, and get them to the tournament, who would it be and why? Uh, the big kid, I think. Uh, Mast? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, when he plays well, when he, when he does, when he's playing his, like, his best, seems like the team really rolls quite well. Obviously, yeah. Uh, Tamanagi can shoot the heck out of it and uh, take a lot of crazy shots, but they are good for him. They, <laughs> I, I, if I shot those, I've been sitting on the bench. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? But he he makes them, and uh, his maturity over the years has been wonderful to see um, on on the court. And then, but I think you know, obviously those two guys. I hope Gary makes it back, right? With the yeah. injury, he's he's really tough. So I think. When basket when he okay so the other night he kind of struggled a little bit on the road and uh, at Rutgers but when he plays well and plays hard I think everybody can work around that and uh, have a lot of success yeah yeah great stuff as always uh, Brian Carr uh, all-time great Husker Hooper all-time assist leader uh, part of a NIT Final Four run in his senior year 1987 uh, which was also Danny Knee's first season here in Lincoln. Uh, Brian, we always appreciate you. Uh, have fun with the uh, reunion with the rest of the guys, uh, and we'll see you over at the arena later today. Yeah, I was going to say, there's so many people here uh, from past teams, and I'm looking at all these guys, and I'm like, I can't believe I fit in with them. I mean, <laughs> it's unreal, the, the amount of talent, the amount of just great people and great players that we have, have had here and have. It's amazing that I get to be a part of it. So I just I thank the university so much and, yeah. and that Coach Hoiber. So and thank you guys for having me on. Of course, thank you for coming, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate okay, it. Buddy. We'll talk right. soon. Talk All right. Bye. All right. That's Brian Carr. Um, good stuff as always. What and, a great guy. And seriously, and he does have uh, like you said, point guard. Uh, yeah. He's been in coaching. Uh, an Indiana native still lives out there and and uh, you know watches those programs closely as well. Played in the Big Eight, seen the Big yeah. Twelve, now the Big Ten. No, I love I love yeah. that answer on on the road environment, right? Just yeah. just being out of routine. I think a lot of people think of the idea. Well, it's hard to win on the road because the other crowd is loud. But for him to kind of bring in that other perspective of like, well, you're not eating your Wheaties in the same place, and you're not you know waking up in your bed, and you're not shooting at the same rim, and just kind of all the other uh, extra, you know, all, all the outside stuff, right? Is different as opposed to just being on the court. So. Love, love having him. Got to talk to him more seriously. Yeah. I mean, wealth, wealth of knowledge on basketball. So. Yeah, I, I think we may have not met, not may have not had him last season, but gotcha. I, I try to get him once a year. 
uh, with basketball season. All right, uh, plenty more to get to. I know we've hit a lot of basketball this morning. Uh, big weekend for football, yep. both in terms of the news we saw this week uh, as well as the, the recruiting visit weekend. Uh, and there was another football commit that we can talk about as well. That's all coming up. Plus, we'll get you ready for the weekend. Uh, women's hoops, wrestling, uh, a lot on the table. Uh, and, of course, uh, Nebraska men's basketball in action later today. Uh, busy Saturday. Keeping you warm on a whew, cold, cold morning here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone else. You know, lately I've been subject to Sorry, we were late. We were late getting into the into the this intro here because we're just screaming about the NFL playoffs. One, coming one up. of us is screaming about the NFC. I'm not. North you're asking me. You are asking. <laughs> You're asking me to root for... No, no, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what I'm hoping for. It was My, my mic's on, by the way, right? You're okay. on, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't really hear myself. But you're asking me to root for the Lions. No, I'm not. I'm telling you what I'm rooting for today. You don't have to root for the NFC North I hate, teams. I hate all the NFC North teams. I want to see the Lions host an NFC Championship game. There's Man, if the Packers, if the Packers win today, I, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm, 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 I might quit. I might quit football. I just might we come play. in next week with a Packers Lions NFC Championship game. What are you? What are you? Uh, what do you think? All right, we I, can move I would on, be, dude. I would be so we, mad. I would be so. Mad. I want both of them to lose. I hate the North. All right, I hate it. Well, hey, uh, one thing you won't hate is the K Lion Husker Hour podcast. Hey, if you if you missed the Brian Carr episode, uh, if the the interview uh, that we just did um, with uh, Nebraska basketball's all time assists leader, uh, don't worry, uh, you can download the episode from your favorite podcast platform of choice. Just search uh, for the K Lion Husker Hour. We also post them over on Husker Max. Uh, hey, so football. Big, some big news this week. Nebraska hiring a new assistant coach. Yeah. Uh, not, not necessarily a well-kept secret, but it, it became <laughs> official. The interesting thing, though, so Glenn Thomas is the guy. Just came from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was there for one season. He's also coached with the Falcons in the NFL uh, before Matt Ryan's uh, 2016 MVP season. He was there for, I want to say it was 12, 13, and 14. He's been an offensive coordinator at the college level. He's coached with Matt Rule at Temple and Baylor. Glenn Thomas will be the quarterback's coach, which we knew before the actual official um, uh, uh, release came from the the Nebraska football media. And now uh, we also know he's going to be the co-offensive coordinator, which was which was an interesting little wrinkle, I thought. Who? uh, That's the first question Mm -hmm. being asked or Mm -hmm. sorry, I worded this terribly. The first question going to be asked at Matt Rules and X press conference is who's calling the plays, Matt? Oh, yeah. And I think we should start betting who's going to have the cojones to ask that question to Mr. Matt Rule in terms of the media. I'll what, tell is you he going right to be now, upset about it? That's a tough, you go ask the question. I don't think he would mind. I don't know. He knows he's going like, to get it. Yeah, he's got to get it. Who calls the plays, though? Well, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still Marcus Satterfield. I don't. I, I and I don't know if Glenn Thomas. We can look back maybe from reports from when he was at Baylor and Temple. It was was Glenn Thomas when he was the co-offensive coordinator of who was calling four, plays? Was well, he calling yeah. plays at that got, time? It's always interesting though to have two guys who are call, who can call plays. Mm-hmm. It's just always it just you know you don't see that a ton. There's always guys who yeah, he might be able to call plays. You never know. But it's right. just like to have guys who have legitimate experience and also too is something interesting to note. Satterfield and 
Thomas not only have experience calling plays, but will have experience calling plays in different conferences as well, right. and like different you know styles of play. Mm-hmm. And so Satterfield being the SEC and the Big Ten, Sloak being in the Big Twelve, and then Temple and Baylor as well. So it'll be interesting. I thought it was an interesting wrinkle as well. I think it's good. You know, it's just like more eyes. Well, more things could do. It's a very, it's, it's, I don't think they really were able to establish an offensive identity last year because of just all the injuries. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think that'll be the, the number one question, though. Who's going to call the plays? Well, and, and I, I don't know. I think it, it might be a little bit annoying for him to answer that question just because it, to him, it may not be that big of a deal who's, who's calling the plays. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, they're gonna they're gonna have the same sheets. They're gonna have the same call sheets. It's gonna be the same game plans. It's more about. I, I mean, I would I would say that the offensive coordinator job is more about the actual preparation, not necessarily the calling of the plays. Yeah. Right? You have all the saw with Frost. He did a pretty bad job at times preparing for the play sheet to call the plays. Week one against Illinois in twenty twenty one, admittingly it was like we had to throw away half the play sheet because they were playing cover three. And we didn't think they'd be playing cover three. Okay, great. So maybe not something you admit. <laughs> no, no. And no. the other. So the other thing to keep. So obviously the the change is you know Marcus Satterfield's going from quarterbacks coach to tight ends coach, which was that was the plan last year when they yeah. were potentially going to have a different QBs coach. Yeah. So they were essentially last year they went from Satterfield tight ends. That was the idea. Nope. Now we go to Bob Wager. Well, DUI. Nope. Now we go to Josh Martin, the offensive uh, uh, analyst. And now we now see that Marcus will be coaching the tight ends this season. Yeah. Is it a demotion to make him co-offensive coordinator instead of flat-out offensive coordinator? Yeah. I Sure. Maybe. Yeah. You know, whatever. But this was always this is also the plan last year. So I don't know that that's really going to rub him the wrong way. The other thing to keep in mind, and I think you've been um, pretty consistent in this. Last season's offensive struggles were not Marcus Satterfield's fault. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I would call it a demotion. I don't necessarily agree with it because of that. Right. And and whether it was Marcus Satterfield or Matt Rule or or some sort of collaboration of those two in terms of the decision to bring Jeff Sims in, I've said, look, they were probably not targeting only Jeff Sims in the transfer portal last season. I guarantee you they were looking at other guys, trying to get other guys, and Sims became the one that they got, and, and so you support who you got, right? They 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 had to own that decision, and, and that's part of why they struggle, is because they did miss on the quarterback position, and then you're left with Chubba Purdy, who was recovering from injury and was not able to go early in the season, but did later, and then Heinrich Harburg, who started eight games and won five of those starts. He wasn't even he wasn't even in the quarterbacks meeting, by it, the way, the year before. Right, he's you're talking position changes with him. So don't blame Marcus Satterfield for I the totally entirety of the, the the struggles I of the tot- offense. Last I, year. And I really don't think. I mean, there were times where the play calling was questionable. I don't think there were many times where the play calling was questionable. But hey, you got more eyes. You got more eyes on the product. You got, you got you got more preparation. I don't think it's a bad thing to have multiple guys as offensive coordinators, especially considering how much um, experience both of these guys have. Okay, let's right. go to recruiting. Big recruit day of recruiting today. Yeah, junior day. A lot of 2025. Uh, there, there's 25 2025 commits coming through. There's 2025 recruits coming through. 2026 recruits coming through. A lot of four stars. Uh, number one guy I'm looking at though, visiting today. Jackson Cantwell, 6'7", 
offensive tackle, 305 pounds. He's from Missouri. He's a four star. I think he's 500 a, mile radius. He is the number, I believe, the number one offensive tackle um, in in the class of 2026, I believe. So he, he's got offers for Missouri. He's a 26 guy. He is a 2026 yeah, guy. Okay. He's got offers for Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas. He's visited, this will be his third visit. His third or fourth visit, his first one of twenty twenty four. Yeah, uh, this is all coming from on three, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, this is just Donnie Rayola just beefing up the line. This is it, it's not. I I think this is going to be a common theme for Nebraska. They are always going to go. They may not always go after the number one quarterback in the country. They're not always going to go go after the number one uh, running back or wide receiver or cornerback or line. But they're always going to have top top offensive tackles, offensive linemen, interior centers, whatever. They're just beefing up those trenches. So it'll be pretty big. Uh, Last year, you know, it's kind of similar to March, right, where they had that massive day and they had Brandon Baker and they weren't able to get Baker. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Cantwell is going to kind of be the same thing where they're going to take a big swing at him. So I think that's the number one recruit people should kind of be looking out for. Look, we're getting to the point now of these 2025s where we're done with the 2024s. Now everyone's easing into who they're going after. Another guy, he's not visiting today, but something to note, um, Nebraska's been going after quarterback from Iowa, Magnolia, Alex Mansk. That has been their quarterback target. Seems, I, you know, there's no, it's going to be a while before he makes his decision, right. you know, whatever. But they did offer a new 2025 quarterback, Matt Zollers from Pennsylvania. He's got a couple, he had a really good junior year. Uh, he doesn't have major, major offers. Penn State, Pitt, Temple, USF, uh, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Michigan State. So not, he's not getting the SEC, you know, top, top type of offers, but still Power 5 type quarterback. So just a couple of your, your little recruiting update from Matt McMaster there. Very nice. Yeah, next week I definitely want to get one of our recruiting guys on to I recap we this tried, weekend. We tried. No, no, it, it's fine because we'll be able to recap a lot more. We'll know a lot more think, after the weekend. I don't think Mike Schaefer's listening, but hopefully his voice gets better. Yeah. Because we haven't had a conversation with him. Also, I need someone to hate on the NFC North with me. So, <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Get the two be, of you together I if know. it's a Packers-Lions oh, NFC Championship game. <laughs> Uh, we could do a whole Husker hour on it. Uh, yeah, so uh, that that was good. Uh, we also uh, we can tell you about a, a new Husker commit to the 2024 class uh, when we come back. And a uh, little bit from uh, what the Polynesian Bowl uh, told us, uh, three Husker commits in this class were down there, including, of course, Dylan Riola. Uh, plus, we'll get you ready for the weekend uh, with Nebraska women's hoops. Uh, the men we uh, we touched on a little bit, we'll, uh, we'll update that as well. Uh, and wrestling is uh, up with another duel uh, coming up as well. So uh, a lot to get to to get your weekend set here on the KLIN Husker Hour right after this. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Jordan Ochoa is another 2024 Nebraska football commit uh, out of Castleview, Colorado High School. Six foot four, two twenty. Uh, he's a, a two or three star edge player, and another addition was a Wyoming commit, uh, and now 
Uh, as of Thursday, he's uh, in the boat with Nebraska, probably a, like a walk-on or preferred walk-on or NIL scholarship, something along those lines. Um, yeah, there's there's no... Um, grew up in Garing, Nebraska, by the way. There's no clear definition of, of what... He is a walk-on. He is walking on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a NIL scholarship type deal, but look, he's a... He's a talented edge rusher. I think he'd fit well in a Tony White defense, potentially as like a Jack linebacker type, uh, real athletic guy. You know, decommitted from Wyoming, and, and and I think just didn't get the scholarship opportunities, and it was just really late in the process. I mean, he decommitted in September, and so, uh, but Nebraska kind of I wouldn't say lucks in, but fortunate to get a guy of the caliber without having to use a scholarship, considering the fact that they were up to their neck. In, in number troubles right now, I and mean, I think they're well over 100 scholarships at this point now. Some of those guys could be put on NIL, whatever. They'll figure out the numbers, but still, very quality addition uh, to an already very talented recruiting class. Yeah, uh, and, and speaking of some of those recruits, uh, three of them out in Hawaii Yesterday for the Polynesian Bowl, if you were able to catch that on NFL Network, you have Preston Taoma at offensive line, Carter Nelson at tight end, and of course Dylan Riola at quarterback. And and those three uh, helped their team to overcome a 17-point deficit. They won 28-17, and uh, it was... Pretty impressive showing at times for Riola. Uh, they had yeah. some frustration uh, with turnovers, but um, not necessarily his fault. And, and Carter Nelson had a couple of catches. Uh, I think I think pretty solid showing for all three of those guys in an all-star setting. Yeah, it, I mean, an all-star setting, in my opinion, is really tough from a. I mean, just it's not a cohesive school. offense or no, defense by no, any means. No, you don't have you don't have practices necessarily where you're implementing an offense or you know what your guys are doing. It's just kind of like, all right, he's open. I'm going to throw it and. There was a little bit of a miscommunication on that one interception he threw, but he threw a touchdown as well. Had a nice little, uh, you know, I think Carter Nelson caught one from him, and everyone mm-hmm. was very happy about that. Nelson looks like a great athlete. Still looks like a great athlete amongst great athletes, so yeah. that's always encouraging. Talmoa gave up a sack, but he also had a pretty good showing against some pretty elite linemen and, and defensive rushers. Look, I think the, the guys went out and they, they showed what they expected. They were still, I, I don't think Talmoa is en- enrolling early, but I believe... No. Rayola and Nelson are Nelson's not either. He's not either. Okay, Rayola so will. Rayola will. Well, like good. half of this class. It's crazy. You know, it's like Clemson. I remember, I, th- I don't know who we talked about it, but like Clemson, it's like you got to enroll early, basically. And I think that's becoming a more and more common thing. And I think you're going to, that's kind of the new age of college football where it's like they want a lot of guys coming in early and getting that spring practice under their belt and, and understanding. I mean, I think we looked at it with Malachi Coleman, right? He's a guy right. who that's didn't come one. in early. And he had to get his footing under him and understand the offense. And it took him a couple weeks. I mean, I think he ran maybe three routes against Minnesota. And now I know injuries helped him. But even as the weeks went on, you saw more and more, like especially that Illinois game, yeah. pre-injuries, you saw more and more in him. And that was like week, what, six? So there's a major advantage of having that spring ball. And so the fact that Rayola in, I mean, he's the most important guy because he's playing the most important position. Yeah. It's good that he's in early. But look, they, they held their own. Yeah, they did, and and so that's uh, that's a, another uh, feather in the cap for for this class. Is you know you had guys who were in the All American Bowl and and here in the Polynesian Bowl as well, and and it's always like Nebraska's had players who have played in these All Star games before. You know, maybe maybe one, maybe two in the, in a class. This one was different because like the main event out of every player at this event was Dylan Raiola, yeah. like, and 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 that's such a different. It's it's such a different dynamic for 
that particular Nebraska recruit to get that type of attention, but obviously at the quarterback position, the last name he has, all of the hype that comes along with it, that it's all there for a reason, and he's got all the talent in the world, and, and back to the Glenn Thomas hire, this is what you do to try to shepherd that talent and, and to develop that talent into results on the field, success in the offensive side and and being able to to distribute the ball to you know the playmakers that they've brought in at the wide receiver and tight end positions and at running back as well. I just hope he's not Icarus, you know. I just hope I hope we're just not flying too close to the sun here about oh, look at you. About just just the height, you know, we got to understand he's a guy, he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. He's the most talented guy they've had in the last 10 years, but yeah. he's what, 18? He is. So it's 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 a process. It's a process. It's a process. And look at a guy like Dante Moore, UCLA, higher rated guy than Rayola was, and now he transferred a year because he got thrown into the fire too quickly. So it's a, you know, it, it's it, it's slow and steady. And I and I hope that they, uh, you got it. If you're a Nebraska fan, you hope that they take it slow with him and they introduce it to him and they don't put all of the things, the entire program on his shoulders right away because eventually you'll have to. Right. But you want to do that in year three, not necessarily, yeah. you know, six months into him being on campus. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are going to wrap up the show right after this. We'll get you set for the weekend, all the happenings in Husker World, and uh, then we'll wrap the thing up, get back to you with uh, another edition next week. Appreciate you joining. More to come. Stay with us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Husker Wrestling got a win last night in the duel against Minnesota. They got another one today, or no, not today, tomorrow Tomorrow at the Devaney Center against Purdue. Uh, tough loss, you know. Last week, obviously to Iowa, but back on the right track, and um, they've got they've got some guys challenging for national championships. Over yeah, I there. think Hotmacher might be going on Sunday. I yeah, think anyway. Holly went yesterday. He picked up, uh, I believe, he won. So, yep. um, it's a good win. Minnesota's a good wrestling team. They beat them. Right back on the right track after a tough loss. Yeah, um, you, uh, you you also saw. I think it's the second now, the second three hundred game. For Nebraska bowling, oh yeah, 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 they're killing it. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's it's between John Cook's volleyball program and and the bowling program. I mean, for for the level of success that everybody's striving for, just insane. Anyway, uh, Natalie Potts, count them, five Big Ten Freshman of the Week honors, big time, five. Incredible! Give give it to me. What's what's women's hoops up They're, to? You know they they played a really good uh, offensive defensive game against Michigan. I was really impressed. Kendall Moriarty had her best game of her career against Michigan. She looked great, not only the offensive end but defensive end. I mean, it's just a team that uh, they're they're really deep, and if they could get more of those role players going, they they can really make a run in the NCAA tournament. At the end of the day, though, it really comes down to Markowski and Shelley and, and how are they going to be performing. But to have a, a a player like Natalie Potts there as well as your third of your big three is massive. Okay, big game today. Yes. No such thing as a must-win game in January, but this might be a must-win game for Nebraska. I mean, this is very important. More like a can't-lose. Can't-lose same type. thing, but yeah. Can't-lose scenario. Look, I'll say this. There will be a point where Northwestern goes on a drought, and they look lackadaisical because they have they only play seven dudes basically. Right. And so they'll play boo ball, and they'll just have boo-booey try and make offense. And if he makes those shots, Northwestern will win. If he misses those shots, 
Nebraska's got to take advantage. Yeah. And so that'll be the key of the game. When Northwestern goes on their droughts, what does Nebraska do? And, and to our points uh, that we said earlier, if it's a tight game late, I is there you, a Husker who just grabs that thing by the throat and takes it? Who's going to be that offensive leader? Uh, yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. But I give the edge of Northwestern in that in that regard just because they got Boo Booey, man. He is a great player. One fifteen tip over at PBA for Alumni Day. Danny Nee's going to be in the house, the 30th anniversary of the 93-94 Big 8 tournament champs. That team made four straight NCAA tournaments. All right, that's it. Thanks to Brian Carr.